listening to Syntax, the podcast with the tastiest web development treats out there. Strap yourself in and get ready. Here is Scott Talensky and Wes Boss. Welcome to Syntax. This is the podcast with the treats that are pretty tasty. Today we are going to be talking about what is new in JavaScript. There's a whole bunch of new APIs that are coming to the browser, to Node, to ECMAScript, which is just the JavaScript language in general. Um, we got some really interesting stuff that is in proposal stage right now. Nullish coalescing. What yeah. does that even mean? So some words. Really, really lots of nuggets. These are things that you're like be able to use now or within, I bet, the next six months or so. So let's get on into it. Today, we are sponsored by Log Rocket, which is online session replay, network activity, all kinds of interesting stuff that will show you what is going wrong with your website, as well as FreshBooks, which is online invoicing and accounting and expenses, all that good stuff. We'll talk about them partway through the episode. With me, as always, is Mr. Scott Talinsky. How are you doing today, Scott? Hey yo, hey yo, hey yo, hey yo. Uh, I'm doing good. Uh, just hanging out, you know. Uh, everything in life right now is sort of breaking. My, uh, you know, the handle broke off my microwave. The uh, dish- my dishwasher's not working. Uh, the ice maker's not working. Uh, <laughs> Our dishwasher broke the other day too. What happened to your dishwasher? It's just not cleaning. Uh, we've we've done quite a bit to check out why you know there's no clogs we've run a lot of cleaning cycles we've run run it with you know vinegar we've done all sorts of things and uh it's just not working very well all of the appliances were purchased like two owners ago in this house so we you know they might be hitting that age where they're gonna have some problems and i'm gonna have to start taking some things apart and figuring it out or who knows i don't know i don't want to buy a new one but yeah it might have to happen they're old we had ours flood. We didn't clean out the, I don't know, somebody in our house is thinking that you can just put a, a plate full of corn directly in the dishwasher and that clogged <laughs> the, like the drain and then it overflows and there's a sensor in the bottom that's just two pins. Um, and when that uh. those pins hit the water, it, it can tell that there's been a leak and we just like left it for like two, two days and we're like, put a heater on it. We're like, it'll dry out. And it just didn't want to, uh, go oh, no. back. So uh, finally pulled it out and just tipped it over and drained it out and it went back to being fine. But hey. appliance repair is very frustrating given how like it's it's definitely possible to fix these things. Like we've talked about that before. Yeah. But it's the parts are often really expensive and they require frustrating. A lot of like like you know getting your hands in there. I mean we had to fix this or we had to like change the seal on our uh, dryer or washer, one of the two. And it yeah. was so impossible. It was like, oh, the seal's only $20, but the tool that they use to apply the tension band around the seal is like $90. <laughs> and it's like, well, I'm not going to buy the tool for this one time use. So I saw a video that showed you how to do it with screwdrivers. And I had like s- several screwdrivers and I'm like pulling them and trying to get the <laughs> tension right on this thing. And my God, I, I think it was one of the only times where I've had to like set everything down just step away and like take 10 minutes to cool myself off. Cause I was getting so angry. <laughs> it was so oh. angry. Uh, but yeah, that's how things are going over here, man. I'm just chilling, working on some code, working on some fun svelte stuff. Uh, maybe we'll have to do an episode on, but let's get into some of this JavaScript because there is a lot of cool stuff that came in 2019 ES, uh, ES 2019 and ES 2020. 
and uh, maybe some things beyond. We're going to be talking about some of these basic features, but some more advanced stuff and some really interesting things. So I'm going to kick it off with flat map. Uh, flat map is uh, basically map, but it allows you to return an array rather than a single value. And typically, if you use map and you return an array, it's going to have an array within an array. You could think of it as like, okay, we're mapping over this thing. We return an array and then you end up having array inception, right? Because it's returning an array. Well, with flat map, what the cool thing is, is that it flattens that array, just like it would sort of when you're returning an array from a function. And now in this example, let's say we had an array with four numbers in it, right? And you returned an array with a number and a number times two. Instead of being array, 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 inside of an array, you get, let's say it's like one, two, three, four. You would get one, and then one times two, and then two, and then two times two, and then three, and then three times two, and then four, and then four times two, all within one flattened array, rather than nested arrays. Pretty cool. Oh, yeah. So that's just kind of a little convenience method around just first mapping and then taking your array of arrays and then running with the next one that we have here, which is just dot flat on the end. So there's a bunch of new methods or like object dot entries, object dot values, object dot keys. All of these new methods will return to you an array of arrays. And if you want to get that into just a nice clean array so you can work with it, you need to flatten it. So the new dot flat method exists on all the arrays. And this is just another reason why you don't have to load in a, a Lodash or something like that, the utility library, because it's just built in. That seems to be a pattern with this modern JavaScript stuff, even like all the way back to ES6 and onwards. Like we've just been seeing a lot of the features that have been in Lodash being implemented in native JavaScript. It's funny, there's probably going to be like a, you don't need Lodash at some point because it is, it's like the most used utility library in JavaScript. So at this point, probably no surprise that a lot of these things are being added to JavaScript itself. Did you see this infinity keyword? Have you seen this infinity keyword in anything else before? I'll talk about it in a minute here, but I have not seen this in anything else Personally, if you do an array dot flat and then you pass in the keyword capital I infinity, it does it every single nested layer deep. Because if you just do dot flat and you have multiple nested arrays, it only flattens the first level. So if you use the infinity keyword, it flattens all of them. I didn't realize you could pass it infinity. Yeah. Isn't that weird? You can obviously pass it as many levels deep as you want. Infinity is, it's been a keyword in JavaScript forever. There's also negative infinity. I've never used it. kind of interesting. Yeah. No, neither have I. I don't know what other. why you would need it. <laughs> yeah. like, like if you need like the upper bound and the lower bound of something, they are true numbers. So you can say like 10 is greater than infinity, then it will be obviously false. So I guess if you if you wanted to check if something was greater than I don't know. Infinity. Yeah, right. There's yeah, probably see. lots of good use cases for it. I just can't think of an interesting one right now. Well, this will be the <laughs> use case where I finally use it. So props. <laughs> good. Next one we have here is entries, And this is super interesting to me. I've, I've used this one three times already since yeah. it, it came out. And it only came out just a little while ago. I'll link up some tweets where I have some code examples 
And this is object.fromEntries. And what this allows you to do is you take an array of values and it will turn them into an object. So uh, object.keys, object.values, and object.entries. These will always return to you an array of values. And uh, almost always when I'm trying to change something about an object, I'll quickly pop it into an array, loop over it and do what I need to do. And then I need to convert it back into an object. And object.fromEntries is the most helpful one. I've got a bunch of links in the notes to some examples that we have here. Uh, but even even something as simple as if you have a, a string with like a comma in it and you want to split that comma uh, and then you need to loop over it and turn it back into an object, object.fromEntries is coming in clutch. Previously, you've had to use uh, reduce for something like that. And th that's sort of another thing that I'm seeing with a lot of these new methods is that every time we come out with a new one of these methods, flat, flat map, Mm. from entries, they sort of, the array.reduce use cases that we, we used to always go for, we don't go for them as often because like array.reduce has always been this like... It's convoluted. It's a tool that we reach for. Yeah, it's, it's, it's convoluted. It's super helpful. And it's what we reach for when we need to do really anything and there's not that built into JavaScript. Right. And now we have these custom built methods for it. And I much prefer those because the array.reduce tricks and kickflips that we do, they're hard to read. It's hard to parse. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. It's hard to parse. And and I don't I never like look like when I see a reduce in my code, like I have to leave good comments on it because I come back to it and I'm like, okay, what is this doing exactly? Okay, <laughs> man. Uh next one is going to be this is fairly uh I don't want to say benign, but this seems like pretty useful, which is trim start and trim end for strings. So you can now run a method trim start or trim end on strings. And what that's going to do for you, it's going to remove the white space either in front of the string or the end of the string. A nice little thing there. You're not going to have to remove it via, you know, whatever, find this, find the empty space and replace it with nothing kind of tricks that we've done in the past. Yeah, because we have had trim in JavaScript forever. It's just that if you only want to trim one side of it, for whatever reason, maybe you are looping over some stuff and you need to include the space at the end of a word, but mm -hmm. you want to trim any spaces that are at the front of a word, uh, then there you go. It's, yep. it's not like that. that's really it. It's not that exciting, that's but it's certainly exciting, helpful. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so stoked about trim end. Uh, yeah, let me thing. tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Just go to full YouTube mode. Hey, guys, today we're going to be talking about trim and let's talk about this thing right here. Yeah, no. That's... Blasting it out. It's yeah. unreal. So useful. You want to trim from the start, trim from the end. You want to do both. You can do Pipe it. them together. Yeah, you could do it. You now, make sure if you, if you like that, this kind of content, go ahead and just destroy that like button. Just push it so hard. <laughs> destroy it. <laughs> yeah, classic YouTuber. Oh. Function to string? Function to string. I don't know what this does. So, uh, does it just make your function a string? It does. It just as it sounds. <laughs> so if you have a function and you would like to turn it into a string to do something with that string, maybe display it or something. I don't know why with the use cases for this. Maybe it is displaying code, right? You want to show off some code. Here's a function. Well, now you can take your function, run dot to string, and it's going to give you a formatted string of your function, exactly as it sounds. 
Is it just the function name or all the code inside of it? The code inside of it, the whole thing. Next one we have here, and this is not new at all, but this is something I've said many times in the past and, and many people have told me is that objects and their keys have no order. Mm -hmm. So if you've ever added items to an object, you'll look at them and they you say, oh, that looks like they're going in order at which I put them in. <laughs> um, and then somebody comes around and says, objects cannot guarantee order. And I've said that many times, probably on this podcast. And I learned that that is untrue. Object keys do have order. And here is the order that they go in. First, they go based on ascending integers. So if you have a key on an object that is a number, which is weird, but you can do it in JavaScript, then they will go in whatever order from ascend, um, ascending order. So uh, one, two, three, four, five. Then string keys, this is most likely what you're using. So anytime you add a new key that is just a word, or we can say property, if you add a property to your object, they will be guaranteed in insertion order, meaning that in the order that which you add the properties to an object, their order will always be maintained, and that is guaranteed as of ES6, which is kind of interesting. And then symbols go at the, at the end. Huh. So object order kind of is guaranteed, which is nifty. Maybe you can abuse it and stop using arrays. <laughs> yeah, I never use arrays for very much. I mean, other than like collections <laughs> and whatever. No, I never <laughs> use no, I <laughs> Never use an array. Never. No, of course not. So with all of these features, you're going to be able to blast off and, and uh, write some really fancy code. And just like one of our sponsors today is LogRocket also blasts off whenever your code is bad. Uh, and what I mean by that is what LogRocket does is it captures video of your users making mistakes. Now, it doesn't turn on their webcam and, and show them, you know, freaking out about your website. But what it does is it gives you this session replay they call it and the session replay is so cool because it shows you in a scrubbable timeline the user committing a bug they click on something the site breaks it turns purple it turns upside down it turns into a tomato whatever happens well log rocket's going to capture that in a scrubbable video with the network requests and all those console logs and errors and redux store stuff that you don't get anywhere else so if you want to stop guessing why your bugs happen head on over to log rocket dot com forward slash syntax and what you're going to get is 14 days for free so check it out it's uh super easy to set up just drop in some code and next thing you know you're going to be seeing and watching in horror as users commit atrocities on your website so let's get into <laughs> es 2020 uh es 2020 and i think it's starting off with a big one and by a big one i mean big and Big Int was my rap name in university. That's pretty good rap name. Big Int. <laughs> yeah, Josh. Oh, that's What's so up, good. Big Int? Yeah. <laughs> um, what is Big Int? Well, okay. So let me tell you. Let me tell you about Big Int. Because this is not something I've ever really had a huge problem with. But I know people who deal with large numbers have been asking for Big Int for a long time. Now, typically in JavaScript, the upper limit for a number is, what is it? It's something funny. It's, let me find it. Let me find it. Thousands. It's it's in thousands. So the uh, default number only goes up to two to the 53rd power minus one, which is a big old number. 
but sometimes people need to work with big old numbers and I don't need to personally, but maybe there's a time where I need a big old number. And so to, to if you would need numbers larger than that, which is a crazy large number, then you're going to get to go ahead and use the big int. Now, big int is a function or it's an object that uh, allows you to represent very large numbers. So those of you who are working with big numbers, maybe you've hit that limit and you've been like, wow, why, why, this, why is this math not working? Uh, you're going to want to go ahead and check out big int because it, all it does is basically allows you to use numbers that are larger than that upper limit in JavaScript. You know what I, I ran into the other day? Um, I thought this was really funny is that I was using Twitter's API and Twitter ha- gives an ID to every single tweet. Mm-hmm. Um, like the first tweet was probably one. Uh, a second tweet was probably two. Um, and for the longest time, that was fine. And uh, at some point, the number of tweets exceeded the amount that this number that you were talking about. And Twitter's API sends you the ID of the tweet. And then if you try to take that number and display it as a string, it's wrong. <laughs> it's not the right one. So Twitter's API solved that by just sending the ID as a, a secondary property called ID underscore STR. Um, <laughs> so if they send it as a string as well. And that's what you need to use uh, if you want to link to a specific tweet. Cool. Yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. We had the same problem with um, syntax. I so, so stupidly <laughs> numbered the podcast as like podcast 001. Like I thought it was like so cool numbering our podcast starting with double zero and at a certain point if you want to parse int you want to parse like a string zero zero one into uh, number one then that's fine but i think once we hit like episode 130 or or 98 or something like that like it stopped because of <laughs> like being it. base base 10 or something like that yeah. i remember going through down a rabbit hole and i had to redo every single <laughs> episode right in real numbers so don't use leading zeros or big numbers if you know you're going to go over that interesting those are some uh lessons from the the trenches here yeah next we have here is nullish coalescing which is a very interesting name i thought this was pretty cool this is cool um, i like this you one you can start to use so if you want to use the or trick in JavaScript to fall back to a value. So let's say you want to store a variable called score and you say the score is equal to the user.score value or 10. Like that's the default value. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And what that will do is it will check if the user has a score value. And if they don't have a score value, it will fall back to 10. That's why we always use the the pipe. Like pipe pipe is the or operator in JavaScript. The downside to that is that the pipe operator doesn't check for null or undefined values. It checks for falsy values, mm-hmm. which the falsy values are... Scott, put you on the spot. What are all the falsy values? Null, undefined, zero, empty string, false. <laughs> I think that's it. Wow. <laughs> You're very cool about that. I would have panicked. Um, <laughs> so those are all those values equate to false in JavaScript. They're, that's why we call them falsy. They're good enough to be false. But if the user's score was zero, that would actually equate to being a falsy value. And then it would just default their score to 10, which mm-hmm. is not what you want, right? Right. Or if somebody's last name was nothing like share. <laughs> in my JavaScript <laughs> course, we use Teller from Penn and Teller. Yes. 
and share. We use that to define oh, the I difference guess. between null and undefined because Teller's last name is null because he explicitly got rid of his last name and Cher's last name is undefined because she doesn't have a last name. She's just, there's just no, it's never been set. She was born as Cher. So if you want to check if something is either null or undefined and not an empty string, not false and not zero, then you can use this new operator, which is question mark, question mark. And we can say, uh, so the score is equal to the user.score question mark, question mark 10 or 10. So if the user score is null or the user score is undefined, then fall back to 10. And I think you should probably start using this in everything. As I've certainly hit this bug before where. Yeah. Anywhere where you're not using numbers or whatever. Yeah. 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 Huh. So cool. Pretty cool. That is really cool. And it, it's funny. It's got a scary name. I think it throws people off. But we got some really nice question marks and new syntax in 2020. And another uh, excellent question mark syntax is uh, optional chaining, which is something that I've been using for quite a bit through Babel and through whatever. And thankfully, TypeScript added it because optional chaining is one of the greatest features for me, because typically what it does is is if you have an object with objects inside of it, right? And maybe you're unsure of the data that's coming in. So let's say you have a user who has an address, who has a street name. And maybe that street name, you're not sure if that street name is, or you're not sure if the address itself is even there. So if you were to write user.address.streetName and address did not exist, the whole thing would break because you cannot use property of undefined. We've all seen that error. Cannot find street or cannot use access street of undefined, whatever. We get that error all the time. And so typically a solution to this would be like, if user and user.address, then check user.address.street, right? Whereas with optional chaining, you can just use a question mark here before the dot. So it now is user question mark dot address question mark dot street or whatever, and you will no longer have those errors because if at any point any of those properties does not exist, the whole thing's going to short circuit and return an undefined for you. Therefore, allowing you to do some really nice if statement checking to say like, if this question mark dot this question mark dot that exists, then do this thing and you don't have to worry about your code breaking. I use this constantly, especially with data that you're not sure if it's going to be uh, existing or not. So this is this is a big one for me. I love the optional chaining. Unreal. It's like, this is probably like the best thing in this entire episode. Yes. This optional chaining. It makes so many places where I've had this, you check for the first property and if that's there, then you check for the second property. And if that's there, you check for the third property. It's such a pain. And this is already added to Babel preset ENV which is what Gatsby uses. It's what Next.js uses. It's what most things use. So you can already start to use this without having to do custom Babel configs. And it's in, in TypeScript too. So TS people. That's so good. I'm a big fan of this. It's so good. What did you do before optional chaining? Because I used uh, primarily Lodash has. I don't know if you use yeah. has. I would use Lodash has, or I would just kind of bite and chew and, and write out the entire and, 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 and. 
Yeah. Usually I would just do the secondary because I didn't feel like installing Lodash. I want to kill the build and install it and restart it. So I just kind of did it. And uh, I'm so happy that this is in. The, the one thing that I want to say for this is it also works with arrays and the syntax is a little bit funky. So if you want to check if something is in an array, like you want to check for the second item of an array, you do the array question mark dot square bracket and then the index of it, which mm. is weird because you usually don't have to put a dot before you, you reference something in an array. But in this case, you use both the dot and the square brackets to reference the array value. Yeah, that's interesting. You gave me a great idea by saying kill build. I'm going to now write uh, a new <laughs> alias or something. Kill the name build. kill build that just just that just deletes the build. <laughs> kill build. Oh, that's pretty dumb. Kill build should kill it. Delete your package lock. Delete your node modules. Delete your yarn lock. Yeah. And re npm install and then start it again. Done. I'm going to add that to my my code base. That sounds great. <laughs> Next, we have promise.all settled. Um, we talked about this one. We did an entire episode on the new promise methods. There's a couple of new ones. This one is part of ES2020. Um, this will resolve when all of them are either resolved or rejected, which is different than promise.all because promise.all will resolve if one of them is canceled or one of them is rejected then the whole thing is over mm -hmm. so if you want to like wait for everything to finish then you can use promise that all settled yeah that sounds fun just another option there for our promises uh next one is going to be dynamic import now dynamic import is something that is going to be super useful to a lot of people what it does is it basically allows you to import a module and return a promise. So instead of importing the module at the top, what we're able to do is to import this thing and then wait for it to load. And then when it loads, all right. Uh, this is super useful in things like code splitting. You can use dynamic imports to say, all right, I'm going to import this section of my website, but only when it's needed. So when it's needed, then uh, the import happens, like let's say you have a, I'm going to use this in a React content. So let, let's say you have a homepage and then you have maybe a forward slash tutorials page. And on that forward slash tutorials page, there's a whole bunch of code here. You don't want all that stuff to import and load and whatever at that time. So you can dynamically import it. That way when they click the route, then it then imports that code. It's basically just a perf improvement and it can be used for things like tree shaking and all sorts of nice stuff. So I, I use this in level up tutorials myself. I don't know if you use dynamic imports at all, Wes. Yeah, I do. Especially for like, um, even just something as simple as like loading in some data, like a list of countries. Mm -hmm. There's no need to put that list of countries in your build. Just require it with the dynamic import syntax before you go ahead and render out a list of countries in that dropdown. And then the second time you render it out, that dynamic import, it's, it's promise-based. So it will just resolve immediately because it's been cached and downloaded already. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have string.matchAll. And there's another one. Where's I don't see it in here, but it was uh, string.replaceAll. It's right below it. What's odd is that replaceAll is still in stage three. Oh, is it? Yeah. I've, I've already been using it. In, oh, uh, yeah. I've actually, I had to put a polyfill in Node um, just to get it. But I love it. Yeah, replaceAll is, is stage three, but matchAll is in. So I don't know why, but yeah, related. 
replace will replace multiple instances if you use a regex. And that's kind of annoying because yeah, yeah, if you have like a variable that you want to replace, then you have to write an external regex and pass it in via reference. Replace all will allow you just to pass a string of what you want to replace. And then the second value is what you want to replace it with. And then there's no getting into regexes. And one less regex that I have to write is very welcome by me. I know I was doing some regex in this weekend and I always regret when I have to do it. I use, I always like almost every single time. I don't know if you're, you're familiar with the regex 101, I believe is the site regex 101.com. Let me check that out. Make sure that's the website I'm thinking of. Yes. Regex 101.com. I always have to go to this site. I paste in my, my test strings and then I write my regular, regular, my regular, my regular expressions expressions. (laughs) in here. Now, the cool thing about this site, shout out to this site is that they give you a quick little reference here. So if you need to like look up and search for like, okay, I want to reverse this or I want to do this or whatever, it gives you all that nice little reference there. And of course you can change it to be JavaScript, Python, Golang, whatever. So this site is fantastic. I'm a big fan. I use um, regexer, R-E-G-E-X-R. It looks like exactly the same thing. It's from Grant Skinner, who was big in the Flash world, even before JavaScript. Yeah. Skinner. (laughs) (laughs) But they're so helpful because you can look at like commonly used regexes. Oh, this is cool. Yeah. And you can save your own. Because like it's like find everything but numbers or find phone numbers or, or match uh, URLs, things like that. I like this. I like I like this. Cool. So next one is going to be a big one. And this is Global This. Now, Global This, I know there was like a lot of talk around the naming of whatever they should name with Global This. This was one that I, I kind of ignored, even though I shouldn't have ignored because I have so many perfect use cases for this. So global this comes in handy when you're working on code that's going to run in many different places. You could think of it as like, all right, in the browser, you know, the globals are put on a window, right? But what about node, right? And if you're writing code that needs to run on the browser and the window, or I mean, sorry, the browser and the server, then all of a sudden you have to do this whole business where you're checking to see if it's the window or if it's the global or whatever. Now we have access to global this, which basically is a standard way of accessing the global object itself across environments. No more worrying about whether or not the window exists or whatever. You can just use global this rather than window or dot global or whatever you need to use based on your environment. Uh, fantastic. I'm, I'm a, I'm super into this one. Yeah, you're super into this one. I like it. Oh, I'm super into global this one. Uh, Next one we have here is module namespace exports. So we've had the syntax import star as whatever from a specific utility, but we've never had the similarly named export value. So if you want to import and export something immediately, but you want to do that as like a sub object, you can use this new syntax, which is export star as utils. So basically, sorry, let me read the whole thing first. Export star as utils from utils.js. So what that will do is you import everything from a module and then you want to export it immediately. We've had that, but the as utils part is new, meaning that You can import everything from a module and then export it out, but as a single named value, which is in this case utils. Yeah. 
I don't know. I, at first glance, I didn't know if I would use this, but I, I do use export asterisks from blank a lot. So maybe I would use this as well to sort of bundle up some of these into like an object, right? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Like, I guess if you want to like put them in their own, well, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I, we'll see in like six months if I've ever used it. I, I don't think I would, <laughs> but it's there. <laughs> there's a chance I'm going to use it. There's, there's a, there is a definitive chance. All right. Uh, next, we want to talk about something that there is a chance of you using as well. And that's, ta I'm talking about FreshBooks here. It's the freshest sponsor yeah. we've got. Yeah. So with more on FreshBooks is Wes. FreshBooks is a small business accounting software that makes billing painless if you want to spend less time on the books. This is a pretty common thing that I hear from people who are running their own business or running their own show for a while. And they say like, I got a job because I'm sick of doing the like the business side of it. I just mm -hmm. want to be a developer. And totally, I hear you on that. And the one tool that makes me able to do that is FreshBooks. Cloud accounting, all of your invoices, all of your expenses, all of your time tracking, everything that you need, reports of how you're doing, profit and loss, tax summaries, how much do you owe on whatever local tax is in your area. You want to check it out, freshbooks.com forward slash syntax, 30-day unrestricted free trial. Make sure you use syntax in the how did you hear about a section. Thanks so much to FreshBooks for sponsoring. Awesome. So now we're going to get into some uh, browser stuff. I am interested uh, in some of these because I'm a little bit less up on the browser things than I am on the JavaScript features. So this first one you have is share.share, navigation.share. Now, what is what is this about? So like all of the apps on your phone, they all have like that little arrow where you can share it. You can airdrop it. You can text message it. You can save it to your, your photos. And that for a specific piece of content is sometimes hard to do in a specific web page. So mm. navigator.share is going to be a new API that will allow you to share different pieces of content. It's still experimental. It's still not totally implemented in all the browsers, which is a bit of a bummer. It looks like Safari and Chrome for Android and iOS are the only ones that support it. And then there's another API, which is navigator.canshare, mm. which is just a uh, returns a Boolean, whether you can or cannot share it. So did these use the the default browser or like the, like the mobile default share menu? Like, is that what it is? It's like popping up the mobile share menu? Yeah, like that's, that's the whole thing about Navigator is Navigator is how you tap into the environment that your website is running on. So navigator.getusermedia gives you access to the camera of your device. Mm -hmm. Navigator.geolocation gives you access to the GPS of the device. So if you want to be able to access the device's share features, that's what this API is for. And I'm gung-ho on these because it means less apps and more fully featured websites that aren't as they're like not as good as as the app you know we, we see that a lot so this yeah. is another step towards that i wonder what it does on desktop i don't do much like desktop click sharing things especially on windows mac i have no idea what that looks like to be honest i actually use it quite a bit to send stuff air i i use airdrop a lot or send something to there's also like in sketch you can share to cloud app so it'll like automatically upload it and then you don't have to do the whole like export it and then mm. upload it. So like just basically it's an open standard of sharing data between two things. And 
if that works, then the everything sort of is just like weaved in a little bit more simply. Yeah. So I use it in Sketch quite a bit. It's built into OSX. So it's built in. We'll, well see. Uh, you know what? You you wouldn't have to do that if you used Figma because it's all in the cloud by default. So there you go. Yeah. Yes, I need to need to get myself some Figma. You do. You got to check out. I'm doing a course on Figma this month, so I'm like super into it right now. They have these like auto layout things where when you type in a button, the button automatically resizes itself. Oh, that's so cool. And they just added links into Figma documents. So now you can link from one thing to another. So when you click on it, it links you somewhere else. So you can make links. And then that's going to be great because it's like you can it's it's perfect for the design system stuff that I'm I'm doing right now. So, yeah. Yeah. I've been saying next big design project I have, I'm doing it in Figma. You're going to love it, man. You're going to love it. It's fantastic. Yeah, I can't wait. This next one is a Node API. It's called Async Hooks. And this is just a, it's an experimental API, so it might not even get anywhere. But as far as I can see and understand what it is, it's sort of like event listeners for different points in a callback's life. Mm. So the the example that they have is uh, if you use create server in Node or use fs.open, that's to open a file. These things, they start, they run, and they, they close. And if you want to be able to listen for different points in that um, API's lifecycle, much like React has mount and unmount and update, you'd be able to to hook into those things. So when something connects, you can do it. As far as from reading the docs, that's what I can understand it is. Um, it's likely this is more of a, a library author thing, but I thought it was kind of interesting to mention as well. Totally. I and mean, keep going with these. I'm, I'm interested. I don't know. I don't know any of these. <laughs> Oh, that's fine. Oh, this is a really cool one is the pipeline operator. Oh, this yeah. This has been around for, for a long time. So you've got three functions that all do something. Like uh, you've got a capitalized function. Uh, you've got a yell function. Um, and you've got a personalized function or something like that. And if you want to run all of those functions with a piece of content, you you have to wrap them around each other. We've all done this before. So if you want to like add, then multiply, mm-hmm. then format into into money, then you find yourself wrapping format money in multiply in add, right? And if you want to figure out what happens, you have to sort of start in the middle and work your way out to understand what order is happening. So the pipeline operator will allow you just to take a value and pipe that into, this is very much like gulp. Remember gulp piped everything? That was the best. Yeah, pipe, pipe, pipe. So you just take a value, you pipe it into a function, and then you can just chain your piping values one after another. And the the syntax for that is pipe close angle bracket, which is pretty, pretty cool. I hope that this comes in. I don't use it all the time, but... I think there's a lot of people that would, yeah. I I guess with like map filter reduce, we already sort of get this piping layout, but that's just because each of them return an array and then we're able to do that because the prototype has the method on it. But as soon as you get into the situation where you have your own method that's not on the array prototype then you have to like save it in a variable and then throw it into your own function. So this will allow you to have that nice chaining map filter reduce and then also throw in your own functions, which would be pretty nifty. Pretty so, nifty. I want to see where is it at? 
It's stage. Yeah, I don't know if it is even stage, is it? Oh. Stage one proposal. Yeah. I, so. I think this has been around for a while. Yeah, two years ago. So I don't know if it'll ever make it, but I, it'd be pretty cool to get it. Yeah, it could just be in uh, limbo, like decorators forever and ever. Uh, next yeah, up is, yeah. is Top Level Await, which I think a lot of people are awaiting. Um, top Level Await is... Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> now, typically, so like if we want to use a sync await, right, then we would have to do so in a function. We have to create an asynchronous function. But like, let's say you have some code that's just running in a module and you're like, oh, well, I need this code to be asynchronous. You'd have to use promises. You'd have to use... I mean, I know async's using promises under the hood. You'd have to use callbacks, whatever. It's a little bit different. But now we be able to use await in a file without having it be wrapped in a function uh, simply by declaring. How do you actually declare it? Is it just, do you just do it? Yeah, you can just use it and you can use it at the top of a, or anywhere in a module. Yeah. Is it just any like anywhere, anywhere? I thought you had to declare something to make this happen this way but it looks like no it looks like it just does it uh which you could use yeah. for things like imports you could just await an import uh, at the top of a file that's pretty cool yeah the people always said for a long time like isn't that a foot gun something that you can can hurt yourself for um and the response to this is that top level away doesn't block sibling files so if you are awaiting something inside of a module other modules that are running are not blocked by that. So you're not actually blocking anything. You're just awaiting that that specific module. Mm. And there's a couple other things. I will link to the blog post here. I don't think it's uh, totally our wheelhouse to, to totally explain it all, but check it out. There's a really good post on v8.dev that explains why we now have access to that. Even just something like, like I said, like a, like a list of countries. If you need a list of countries before that module runs, previously you'd have to like export a function that says get countries and mm -hmm. then you'd have to await that inside of your, your loading functions. Now you can just await it at the top of your module. And obviously that will take a little bit longer the first time your module loads, but for a lot of people, that's totally fine to, to do. Yeah, cool. Hey, I like this. So uh, I yeah. don't have anything else. Do you have, do you have any more? Uh, last one I had here is that Safari has finally introduced Resize Observer, mm -hmm. and that's a big one. Like I had to pull in a polyfill the other day for Safari, but now that Safari has Resize Observer, everyone has Resize Observer, and that's huge for all the cool stuff that we want to do with Resize Observer. Um, and then also we talked about this before, but Edge now runs on Chromium. So that is good for JavaScript, we think. And did you see did you see somebody from Microsoft close like a, a super old Chromium bug that's like existed for some time? So no, uh, I think people, everybody was rejoicing about that. I didn't actually know what the bug was, but like, yeah, hey, if that makes everything better, then that's I'm cool with that. Yeah, uh, at least for like me as like the JavaScript developer who wants to use new things. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> whether that's good or not for the diversity of the browser landscape, that's a whole nother, right. whole nother thing, but that I don't know. I'm pretty, pretty stoked on it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, should we get into some sick picks? Let's get into some sick picks. Uh, do you have any sick picks for us today, Wes? I'm going to sick pick. I, I sick picked this a couple years ago, but I often like coming back to things after having them for 
however long and seeing how they go. And this is the DeWalt oscillating multi-tool, otherwise known as the tool that I I always talk to my wife. I'm like, we need to get the in here. (laughs) And this is a little tool. You slap a battery in it and you put like these little blades on the end. And it's the perfect tool for cutting out little pieces of wood or trim or cutting off a nail or flush cutting something. My friend referred to it as the get out of jail free tool, meaning that when you can't get a tool in a specific place or you need to cut something in a weird angle or I just trimmed a bunch of spray foam insulation in my office. Oh, with it. that's fun. And like it was so, so handy for this, the little tool that it is. You can buy it like hundreds of different kinds of little blades for it on Amazon. I bought like a little blade kit and some of they have like sanding ones and they have metal cutting ones and they have really thin ones for cutting just little pieces of trim off. So check it out. It's called the, the you don't have to get the DeWalt one. That's just like you buy whatever color batteries you have. Whatever color. All brands have this multi-tool and they all take the same size of blades, which is really good. Oh, that is, that is good. Yeah. All right. I'm going to pick something fun here. It's going to be a code project. That's fun, right? Usually we do all sorts of like actual things, but this is going to be a code project and that's Sapper. I'm uh, sick picking Sapper because I've been using it to do my new website, which is like, it's just slapdash, just thrown together. By the time you see this, it might even be a little bit better. But I just figured, you know, my my previous site was from like 2013 or something. It still said I worked in Dearborn, Michigan. Uh, It was very out of date. So I was like, you know what? screw this. I'm going to, uh, I'm just going to do something new here. I'm just going to start throwing things together and not care if it really runs, you know, or looks great or whatever. And sure enough, I decided to pick Sapper because I thought it was interesting to try. Now, Sapper is sort of the Next.js analogous uh, for Svelte. And it is really super cool. My my entire site, um, let's see what my entire site is because like you could load this as a node app or you can do static generation for these things. So my entire site is, let's see, 60 KB total transferred. It loaded in 100 milliseconds. So it's pretty dang quick. (laughs) It's pretty small. There's like no framework. The thing functions really nicely. And you get all of the awesome stuff from Svelte. Like I'm using the built-in Svelte animation library to do these really neat transitions on, on my pages, which let me tell you, it's such a breath of fresh air to have the animation library baked in because it's pinionated. It does everything correctly. You don't have to struggle with a whole bunch of different uh, knowledge or interface. Everything just works really well. So I'm going to uh, shout out to Sapper and uh, statically generate me a gorgeous site. And uh, it was a lot of fun to work in. So check it out. If you are interested in building something fast, you need to be fast and you need it to be easy. Uh, Sapper is pretty cool. Awesome. Uh, We're going to shamelessly plug our courses now. Mine are available at westboss.com forward slash courses, which hopefully by the time you listen to this, I should have my my new website live. And that's my new course page as well. So check it out. Uh, Use coupon code syntax for 10 bucks off any of my courses. And they were likely also still be on sale due to the current pandemic situation. Holler. Yes. Uh, And my courses are at leveluptutorials.com forward slash pro. Sign up to become a pro today and you'll get access to, well, just a ton of premium content that I've been releasing 
over the years. And what I do is I release a new video series every single month. The video series that's coming this month is on design systems within Figma. So if you're interested in learning about design systems, if you're a developer and you want to pick up some design knowledge, we're going to check it out. It's going to be really cool. A lot of fun. All right. Thanks so much for tuning in and we will catch you on Monday. Peace. Peace. Head on over to syntax.fm for a full archive of all of our shows. And don't forget to subscribe in your podcast player or drop a review if you like this show.